Hello and welcome to episode 39 of The Movie Bunker with me, Matt. Hi, it's me, Chris. <laughs> That's very formal, Chris. Yeah. Hi. Hi, it's me. <laughs> Quite summary, though. I don't know why that came across as summary, but it did. Yes, it's, it's warm outside. I'm feeling chipper, so, you know. It's getting there. It's light still. We're yeah. nearly the longest day of the year. Winter's coming. Oh, Christ, don't remind me of that. <laughs> Oh dear. So, how, how have you been in the last couple of weeks? We haven't spoken on the pod uh, front for two. We haven't spoken on a pod front. No, I've been I've been okay. I've been good. I've been keeping well. I've I've watched some films, some shit films, and some not so shit films. Black Klansman. I thought that was good, interesting. I love a true story or partially true story or, or an event based on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was good. I, I, once again, I got a bit tipsy and very nearly bought um, Holmes and Watson. <laughs> God. I just got to resist, I think, at some point. Or oh, it's just going to have to happen. I don't know. It well, can't we, be we, that long. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe we, we, we've got our itinerary sent at, uh, set, set out uh, in front of us, haven't we, for the, for the foreseeable future. So we know it's yeah. kind of like a big deadhead. I've watched a lot of um, TV. I've been not really watching movies. Uh, uh, I, I finished Killing Eve in, in two days with my wife. I need to watch that. I started watching the first one, but, but um, yeah, Sal wasn't into the whole killing people thing. Well, it's not really, there is obviously killing, but it's, it's done in a fairly mild way. It's really well yeah. written. It's very good. And I'm going to watch it regardless of what she says. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's not the boss of me. <laughs> You're your own man. <laughs> Um, but we, I was obviously watched the Game of Thrones finale, which is what it was. I don't really want to talk about that anymore. Uh, and I did you see the, um, the, 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 the last watch, like the making of the Game yeah. of Thrones? Well, that's the film, the only film I've watched in the last sort of two weeks, I think. And I found that really, really good and enjoyable. It made, it made me feel really guilty for entertaining all the Twitter haters because they had the, the, the extra guy and uh, the snow guy. Yes, and the, well, just, uh, just the foul-mouthed sight woman. <laughs> oh yes, really but enjoyed. the 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 amount of uh, just to see the amount of hard work and just in, in terms of making swords and props and stuff, it's just out. Yeah, and it just makes you think. Oh, do people do people pour their, their their heart and soul into these uh, their little movies every episode? And I think um, it was interesting. What one of the producers was saying was. What I thought was really good is you know, this is the last season because they physically can't they physically can't make this show. See, I enjoyed I enjoyed that more than the probably the last couple of episodes, which I didn't hate as much as other people. Like you say, probably best not to get into that particular. Twitter no, it's date. a it's a massive minefield, isn't it? Of uh, conversation pitfall is that last season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, but, there, there does seem to be like a watermark there between people that live through Lost. Yeah. And those that haven't. So, yeah, the people that live for Lost t- t- seem to th- um, view it a little bit more... Affectionately. Yes, a little bit more... Hey, at least it wasn't Lost. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we're a lot more forgiving, I think, is the word as well. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, come on, it's a TV programme. It's a TV programme about a woman that rides a dragon around. What yeah. do you want? Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, anyway. we, we, you know, we're back on track now uh, with our episodes. We've got a guest... Today, it was really great to speak to Giles Paley Phillips. So Giles is a, like an author, he's a musician, and he's co-presenter of the Blank podcast. It's a great podcast. Yeah, so he co-presents it with Jim Daly, and basically they talk about blank moments. 
I mean, you can interpret blank however you like, as whether it's in your professional or your personal life. Um, they've had some great guests like John Ronson, uh, Louis Theroux most recently, and Rachel Paris. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a really good podcast. And I, 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 um, I recommend you download and listen. It's, it's fantastic. But we talked about Jarvis' Guilty Pleasure, which was June. Yeah. This is the, this, obviously, this is the original version, the one they were remaking now with all of the actors in the world. <laughs> Yeah, we touch on this in the interview as well. But yes, this is the original 80s uh, David Lynch. <sighs> I don't know. It's, 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 it was a very difficult watch, which we talk about. But anyway, enjoy the interview and then join us afterwards because it's my top five. Here's the chat. Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Chris. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Giles Paley Phillips. Giles is a children's author, musician, and co-host of the excellent podcast, Blank. Hi, Giles, and welcome to The Bunker. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm very well. You are right? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, enjoying the sunny weather. <laughs> it's a rarity in the UK. Yes, it is. It is. It is. I'm down on the south coast, and it's, uh, we normally get quite a strong sort of English channel breeze, but actually it's quite, it's quite pleasant at the moment. Where, whereabouts are you based? So I live in a little town called Seaford, which is kind of on the coast between Eastbourne and Brighton. It's probably the best place to oh, sort lovely. of play yes. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, up yes. the, I'm up the road from you slightly. I'm in Southampton, so we're both sort of... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I know Southampton a little bit. And Portsmouth, I know a little bit, which I know oh. is probably a bit of a dirty word for Southamptoners. Well, but, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> it can be if you are in that yeah. sort of field. I've never been a big fan of the, the kind of rivalry between both. But, I mean, Southampton is, is better. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I, I've been to both Waterstones in Portsmouth <laughs> and Southampton, and I, and I have to say the, the Southampton one was nicer. I think just was a bit newer, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Giles, if anyone is unfamiliar with what you do in your work, give us a little bit of brief history of, of uh, yourself, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm, um, yeah, I mean, I, like, I think you said, touched on a little bit. I used to be a musician. I played in bands. Um, I still do play in a band. But yeah, that was kind of my main focus for a few years. And then I got into writing and um, started writing children's books when my first uh, son was born. Um, he's now 12. So, you know, going on sort of 12, 10, 12 years I've been writing. Mm-hmm. I've had sort of nine books published um, and I've just started writing a few novels for adults and I've got my first ones coming out at the end of this year. And uh, yeah, and the, uh, recently, sort of the end of last year, started a podcast with my friend Jim called Blank, um, talking to some sort of fairly well-known people about their blank moments. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to the last few years anyway. So how did the premise for Blank come up? Come up Because it's quite a, a nice little subject matter to talk to people about, isn't it? It is, and I think it's something that we all can sort of empathise with. We all have those moments where things aren't going quite right. Um, and that was kind of the idea that also we sort of pulled, pushed the net out quite wide so that we get high, a, quite a wide variety of uh, different people from different creative um, industries or politics, sport, all different things that, you know, where you could be affected by blank moments, whether it be, you know, if you're a sportsman, that loss of form, or if you're a politician having those dry moments in Parliament. We had Caroline Lucas on recently, and she was saying about how the first time she stood up in Parliament to ask a question, she completely for- forgot what she was going to say and had to sit down, very mm-hmm. embarrassed. Uh, and, and, and then the actors, you know, who might 
forget lines on stage or uh, and usually actually it goes to much sort of not darker but just more personal moments in people's lives you know we had Gary Lineker and he talked about times where he his son was unwell when he was young he had um, mm. been diagnosed with leukemia and, and and those dark times around that so you know it's one of those things where it does often go to sort of uh, more poignant places and so that's kind of it but I mean I'd wanted to make a podcast for 10-12 years probably when they started well I think I bought my first iPod and listened to the Ricky Gervais podcast which I think a yeah. lot of people did and and was wanting to do one from them but just didn't know what and how or or why and um it's taken me sort of 10-12 years to come to that place so I mean one of the reasons why we started doing it is just for me was just to connect with people that I was you know, hugely uh, a fan of, you know, mm-hmm. people that I I admired and was inspired by in my, in my own life and creative enterprises. So it's just, you know, it's just great to be able to, to do it. And it's a really special thing for us. So, yeah, we, we love it and hope that people enjoy listening to it. And you were nominated this year as well on the podcast awards. We is- were. It was very surreal. It was on Saturday, actually. We went to the yeah. um, award ceremony. And uh, we, we turned up at the front, gate and the people started papping us <laughs> oh my god we, I, I turned to Jim and said look we've really made it now we're getting <laughs> this paparazzi here and then I turned around and realised Fern Cotton was standing oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like okay okay maybe m- maybe they're here for her <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> sort of you... slunk off to the side and <laughs> remembered <laughs> our place <laughs> but we did oh. feel you know what? It was very. It was lovely to be at. Really lovely, and and it was a really enjoyable evening. And but I think both of us felt a bit imposter syndrome kicked in quite early, and um, we did feel a bit kind of like this. I don't know. We just we felt very non-league in a Premier yeah. League kind of stadium. You know. know but it was. It, yeah, yeah. It was lovely to be there, though. It was very. Yeah, and it's very. Um, very humbling to be nominated. So it's, yeah, it's very good. Good work, and in such a short space of time as well. But then you go just Thank goes you. to show. Um, so anyway. Let's get on to the, mm. the meat of the podcast, which I mean, the movie bunker, where we are mm. in the depths, depths of uh, the bunker, where we look at all the, the worst or the critically panned films that are out there, and we, <coughs> we try to find the one film that we can agree can deserve to be released into the general public and, and uh, onto the DVD shelves of the general public. But so far in our podcast, we've not managed to find a film that is... is good enough or subjectively good enough that we feel it you know it goes against what the critics on the whole uh, mm. said about it but you've got an interesting uh, film because this is quite a, a cult classic which was not well received when it first was released which is kind of typical of cult classics i think what's the film you you've chosen to talk about today well i've chosen june um, by david lynch The beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. You are about to enter a world where the unexpected... Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown and incredible secrets have been kept on this planet. And the unbelievable meet 
I see two great houses. Where kingdoms are built on earth that moves. We have worm sign the likes of which even God has never seen. And skies are filled with fire. The prophecy which will cleanse the universe and bring us out of darkness. Where a young warrior Why? is called upon to free his people. A world that holds creation's greatest treasure. He who controls the spice controls the universe. And greatest terrors. <laughs> A world where the mighty... This is genocide. The deliberate and systematic destruction of all life on Arrakis. The mad. <laughs> I will kill him! forever and the magical father the sleeper has awakened will have their final battle long live the fighters do not show the slightest pity or mercy emperor we come for you doom a spectacular journey through the wonders of space and the mysteries of time from the boundaries of the incredible to the borders of the impossible. Now, Frank Herbert's widely read, talked about, and cherished masterpiece comes to the screen. Dino De Laurentiis presents Dune, a world beyond your experience, beyond your imagination. An epic, <laughs> um, in many respects, an epic failure when it came out, um, and certainly an epic film. Yeah, um, um, I've always been a massive fan of David Lynch. I think I think the first film I saw was Elephant Man, and I think June was probably not far afterwards. Um, I think they weren't that far apart, were they? I think maybe 81, 82, Elephant Man, I think then June was 84. So I think that was his next movie. But yeah. um, and, and, and then I've been in, really into his later work. So like Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive and obviously Twin Peaks. So I've always been a big fan of his. And I kind of yeah. revisited this film a few times um, because I always found it. Do you know what? I think when it came out, I had they, they brought out some like toys and I remember getting some of the toys. I didn't really know much about the film at the time, but I remember having the toy. I think I had the Sting toy. And I remember sort of not really knowing what it was for. It was, I don't know if it was bought for me, maybe. Yeah, yeah. From, a cheap, from a cheap toy shop. They were probably like trying to sell off all the old stock because the <laughs> film did so badly. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I remember having this toy. I'm thinking, oh, and then sort of found the film later on was a bit older. And um, I just really loved it. For, I yeah. just, I mean, it, it's got all the classic Lynchian uh, modes about it. You know, it's got uh, an amazing sound design. Um, it's got weirdness in abundance. Yeah. Um, you know, and it did make me, th it always makes me think that Lynch was kind of tagged to maybe do Return of the Jedi. And I always thought, actually, do you know what? Lynch's Return of the Jedi might have been really good. It's a difficult one because you, you, I, when I read that, I, I, I think I knew that little nugget of fact um, years mm. ago, but I, I, it reminded me and thought, what a crazy concept for a, uh, a, a Star Wars film directed by David Lynch. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. Very, the, the, the lukewarmness to this movie when it came out is, is well documented because in, you know, in IMDb now, it's a, it's a low 6.6. .6 and mm. I think in Rotten Tomatoes, it's, it's more or less the same. It's got like a critic score of around 
50%, which is okay. it's poor, but mm. it, it's, it was very, very ambitious. And I think the issue is it's, it's, it's uh, like a, a, a novel um, or a group of novels um, spanning uh, like a, a, a big universe, a big, a big story. And we spoke off mic earlier on about you know, Game of Thrones and things like that, but this, this smacks of like Game of Thrones in space in terms of the houses and, and the different families and, and all that kind of politics going on in the background, because essentially that's kind of what it's all about. It's like the, the, um, the, the fighting over this, this commodity, this spice that yeah. power and energy and everything. So very political stuff, but with this tinge of weird sci-fi-ness going on as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just a massive undertaking for a filmmaker uh, and I think, you know, like you said, like a really ambitious swipe at it probably would have been better to have done as maybe a two or three part kind of movie. But I guess maybe, you know, I think they spent a lot of money on it anyway. So the idea of sort of making it into two or three films is probably not something that they could ever really foresee. But I think, I think Lynch, uh, for me, it's a really good stab at it. I've not, to be honest, I've, I, I've only read some of the book. I haven't read it all. Uh, yeah. I know people that have read the book and they say that Lynch's vision is, is pretty good. Um, it's a pretty good adaptation and the, and the bits that he sort of focuses on are well done. Um, but I haven't said that I haven't read the book in its entirety, so I couldn't sort of speak too much out of it out of context about that but i i just I, i've always i just think it's the more the aesthetics with it that i love yeah um and 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 i and i've always loved about david lynch films um like i say the the, the sound design the, the 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 very focus is on like um on breathing and uh kind of the spaceship noises and stuff are very heightened in the mix the yeah. sound um, and then those sort of opaque kind of dream sequences and stuff, which he is obviously brilliant at doing. Yeah. Um, it just feels like no other sci-fi movie ever. Well, it's, uh, it's, it really isn't. I mean, I, um, I admit before the podcast, um, I've never seen this film. Um, obviously, uh, I, I know of it. Uh, it's, you know, if you're a sci-fi fan, if you like anything, if you're a movie fan, you know about Dune. Mm. Um, I, I expected it. I, I don't know. I expected it to be tough. I didn't expect it to be as a tough a watch um, as I found it. Because I think maybe potentially because maybe the, the films or the sci-fi genre films that I choose to watch are nothing like this. So in mm. terms of the investment for this, it was really heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had to watch well, it in two or three installments. I couldn't watch the whole thing in one go because I found it quite draining. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I think watching this film is really interesting because I've seen Twin Peaks, I've seen Mulholland Drive. I'm not a mm. massive Lynch fire, okay, so I've not seen everything, but I'm aware of a lot mm. of the stuff and his directing style and his and, and the legacy behind what, the work he does. Um, so obviously watching this after seeing some of the more recent stuff that he's done, it was absolutely, yeah, okay, now I see all the mm. tropes and all, all the styles and, and everything that he brings to his filmmaking, um, to his filmmaking, it, it's, it's obvious mm. that you can see the, the roots of it basically in this film. But it's heavy going. It is. And I, uh, to be honest, most David Lynch movies are. Um, <laughs> you know, he's not... <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are, and they're often very confusing. Um, I mean, you can see why he was an art graduate 
Um, yeah. He obviously did, and he did movies like A Razorhead, which are, you know, they're pretty wacky, um, but they have, you know, there's a there's a brilliance behind them, um, yeah. and you can see that he, he, you know, like I mean, A Razorhead took him like four years to make. I think um, he did it all on his own. He's, you know, he paid mm-hmm. for it all. Uh, and then he sort of goes on to make um, The Elephant Man, which is this beautiful, poignant, sad story it's shot in black and white, um, brilliantly acted. And then and then he goes on to make this super ambitious mm-hmm. sci-fi movie um, with a massive cast, like I say, probably quite a big budget at the time. You know, 40, 40 perhaps, million, I think this is what this... Uh, wow, so yeah, so I mean, like, in today's money, <laughs> yeah. what would that be? It We're talking have... Avengers, Avengers size. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. might be, you know, we, we, you're talking a hefty... I mean, I say there was a huge cast and some sort of fairly big stars at the time in it. Yeah, it only um, made about 30 million in gross... Yeah. Of so, yeah, it was a big loss for the studio. But, mm. yeah, and cast-wise, it had, every, it, it had a lot of interesting... Uh, people in it and I hadn't realised Patrick Stewart was in it I didn't know he was in it until I physically watched it but Carl McCoy one of his um, I don't know it was his his muse I guess or one of his leading actors that he uses quite often or at least in Twitter yep Um, yeah I mean he yeah, he was in Blue Velvet as well, which is um, another Lynch film. Well, that that, that film scares me uh, because yeah. I, I've never seen it, and I'm not sure. I'm ready. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I I've got what it takes to sit and watch it. It's another classic, uh, <laughs> incredibly dark David Lynch film, and it, I think it's one of his most personal films because he came from quite a regular upbringing. I think he's you know he would say himself he was you know kind of regular kind of middle-class family mm-hmm. who were, uh, you know, sub- suburban upbringing. Mm-hmm. And Blue Velvet is very much that suburban, he, you know, Carl McLaughlin is a very sort of um, every Joe kind of suburban kid who finds himself falling into a very dark underbelly of his community. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of a Lynchian kind of trait to f- see the darkness underneath um, you know, he's obviously in Mahan Drive. You, it's the darkness under Hollywood. It's you know, it's that kind of thing. And I think that's a very cut. Yeah, it's got a lot of Lynchian traits in it. And uh, it's not an easy watch by any means. So uh, I think you, if you haven't seen it already, it might not be one you have to definitely watch. Well, the thing is, I spend most of my time now watching the worst movies uh, uh, committed. Of course, to. yeah. The thing me and Matthew. Have discovered that sort of, yeah great idea let's do a film podcast because we love talking about films you know we've got, yeah and they say well but there are hundreds if not thousands of movie podcasts but let's just talk about let's talk about rubbish films then it's like yeah fine sounds fine and then you realize you've got no room to watch you know i don't know us or uh, the latest you know, blockbuster or anything that's yeah critically well received. You think, well, hang on, I've got to watch Dune, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or I've got to watch uh, the Love Guru, or God knows. Uh, oh man, that is a bad movie. <laughs> so yeah, this is a great cast. We touched on the cast, but um, mm. I wanted to to, to, to uh, maybe look at the future of Dune because uh, it's it's slated for this remake that's coming out next year. Um, so in 2020, we've got a Dune. Um, I'm just looking at it now, and we've got a, quite a, an interesting cast. And so you've got Zendaya, who's obviously off the off of uh, um, or fresh off of like um, 
great showman and and spider man yeah things like that um, she, we've got josh brolin's in there i think yes, um yes. oscar isaac i think is um, is oscar isaac in it i'm oscar sure. isaac so you've got some yeah. fantastic names jason momoa is even you know is, oh yeah of course yeah yeah uh, Javier Bardem, um, Dave Bautista, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, as you said, Stellan Starsgard. So mm. already we're looking at a stellar cast for this. Yeah, definitely. It sounds, I mean, it sounds great. Are you usually someone who would like warm towards a remake of something that you find, you know, that holds some significance to you? Well, I'm a bit, I'm not, I, I have to say I don't really like remakes generally. Mm. As a general thing now that's not to say that remotes can't be great because yeah. they you know they clearly can uh but it's i always feel a bit weird about remakes mm. and i always wonder what what it's a, it draws down to me is what the, what is the point what mm. what are we trying to achieve with it mm. i think it goes back for me when um gus van sant reshot psycho shot for shot yeah and remember thinking what an, an utterly an utter waste of time that was mm. and what a terrible movie he made out of it now obviously most remakes aren't you know they're, they're, they're new visions i mean sometimes i guess you could say they're reboots or they're um i mean you could argue that the the new star wars trilogy that they brought out the first one was kind of a reboot yeah, yeah. you know it was a rebranding of the franchise i so i i genuinely not keen having said that um, I'm open to seeing new takes on stuff, um, and certainly I'd be interested in a, in a June re, in a June remake. Um, I mean, I it's think- got an interesting director as well, isn't it? It's um, isn't the guy that did the Arrival, and, That's right, yeah, and then uh, and the Blade Runner movie as well. I think didn't he did the Blade Runner movie? Is he? he did, he did, and he's not written so, down yet. Denny Villeneuve. There you go. Yeah, so I think. Oh yeah, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, so I think you know that they were both you know interesting sci-fi movies, and I think you know it's obviously he's got a bit of pedigree there. So yeah, it'd be it would be interesting to see his take, and obviously with um, you know it's been a long time. That was nineteen eighty four. Uh, that Lynch made his version and obviously yeah. special effects have moved on a well, long way. So it could be, you know, it could certainly be a feast for the eyes with, you know, with the... Right, it's got to be. That, I mean, you can just see the yeah. cinematography leaping off uh, out of you. I mean, to be fair, yeah. that um, his, like I say, his movies um, that he's made in the last, at least the last two or three have been cinematically mm. fantastic. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. The, the cinematography on those has been brilliant. And to bring that kind of hue to... Dune would, would, would definitely work and like we need to see the space slugs uh, you know done job yeah so I think it's ripe it's possibly ripe for a remake yeah um, and I think they've obviously got a decent a really decent um, director and and if the, if the story works well and they've got a decent cast then there's no reason why it can't be a, you know a really good new version of it um, I think there's, I suppose with the when you're getting it from source an original novel source material, yeah, it can sometimes not feel like a remake. It's just someone else's kind of version of it, isn't it? So, yeah, you can. I guess you're not looking. I guess he's not looking at, at Lynch's version. He's going to be looking no. at source material. So. Yeah, it's a fresh. It's a fresh reimagining of, of of the novel. So, I guess we have to see it like that, and maybe because yeah, I, I know what you mean about. I think remakes it's just a bit of a dirty work isn't it, these days remakes because there's so many it's almost like Hollywood 
has run out of ideas to a certain extent. Well, this is the big always returning things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Always the big conversation around this sort of thing is, you know, if it's if it's an adapter, um, if they're adapting like a, a well-known TV series or an '80s TV series, it's called, mm. you know, and, and, and as you say, a remake. There's always the question: is why are we not putting the the the, the money and in, in, um, mm. you know, endorsing these kind of new screenwriters and new ideas and getting stuff onto screen and that, that, that does happen but obviously yeah pops off the floor is what's keeps the industry turning i guess of course and you, then i guess the argument would be you, we need to make these big these big movies that make lots of money otherwise we can't you know necessarily make the smaller ones but yeah, yeah it's tricky well things like um netflix and amazon and things like that you you find the most interesting stuff coming out on those platforms now i find Oh, definitely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah. I'm a Netflix watcher and an Amazon Prime, and yeah, there are really interesting projects coming out, and it's great to see it expanding in that way. I mean, I guess, like you say, for, for small filmmakers and stuff, maybe getting projects away much easier. And I think, from what I gather from watching interviews and stuff, the the creative control that you get on those platforms as well mm. is is incredibly you know freeing for for the for filmmakers yeah. um, which is obviously a good thing as well it means they can really create the vision that they want and uh, that's got can only be a good thing so i think yeah. we need to think about dune in terms of the bunker and where it's positioned and what we do and i think as a guest you do get a hard pass i mean this i guess visually it still stands up in terms of the vision uh, that's mm. Uh, that, that, that does not make sense but in terms of Lynch's vision of how that kind of cinematography and everything and how that book is interpreted for the screen back in the 80s mm. it has to be it, it has to supersede also, uh, 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 the, the critic score it received when it, when it uh, was released so I think in terms of its bunkerness it has to come out of the bunker and actually be out there in terms of the, the universe of film so we are going to let this one out it's free yeah. to roam uh, like a big giant space slug with silver pants, like <laughs> this is out there. Um, so I think that's a good thing. I, I agree. It wasn't for me. I found it very hard to watch, <laughs> quite meaty. But it's not to say I didn't appreciate for what it was. And yes, I think the critics had a very were, were spot on in terms of what they said about what he was trying to do. But the vision and the and the promise was mm. there. And I think that should be celebrated. And I think there should be no film from this director in the bunker, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> No, I agree. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, you just have to applaud the ambition, really. Yeah, yeah. From, from a guy, like I say, a guy that's made, at the time, had made Eraserhead, which was a self-funded movie, black and white horror movie that he'd made in four years. Yeah. And a, a, a film about, you know, a true life kind of film about um, a guy with disfigurements. And I think, you know, it's interesting that he got the job in the first place, to a certain extent. Uh, but to have a swipe at it like he did, I think, yeah, it can only be applauded, really. Are you a Star Wars nerd? Uh, I'd, yes. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of Star Wars, obviously from a nostalgic kind of point of view. Just from yeah. the, and, and, and I like uh, aspects of the new ones. Uh, I yeah. hate the prequels. Um, the prequels I detest. Um, <laughs> thought they were... A travesty. <laughs> I think, I think anyone, anyone of a certain age, i.e. 
probably us, you and I, will probably have the yeah. same in the prequels. Well, I think George Lucas was just given way too much creative freedom with those movies and uh, just kind of filled his boots on CGI and stuff and just, yeah, just lost all kind of storytelling um, along the way. So, yeah, so I hate those movies. I quite like the new ones. I actually quite like some of the, I mean, do you know, I really liked Rogue One. I was a big fan of Rogue One. I thought it was yeah. a really interesting film. I thought they they nailed it visually. I thought it was a compelling story. I loved the characters. Mm. There, was enough, there was enough humor in that. I thought that was a really great Star Wars movie, and I, I'd like to see more than make more films like that. If the spin offs are going to be as, as high caliber as that, then I, you know, bring it on but um well they've got the I, game I, of thrones writers uh, lined up for this new trilogy haven't they so that's that's the next i hear that yes uh, yeah, been... hence why they were so in a, such a rush to finish <laughs> game of thrones <laughs> i mean are you, is your twitter feed clogged at the moment with uh, game of thrones chit chat have you muted everything now just because it's over in my mind it's done and dusted i can't really... yeah it, it, yeah it is uh, <laughs> Uh, I've started listening to, it's probably not a good idea really, I started, I think at the start of this series I started listening to a few podcasts about Game of Thrones. Yeah. And, and I think the, the ones I listen to have just kind of given me no hope <laughs> at all <laughs> and actually kind of made me feel more self-righteous about how bad I feel they've gone with it. Um you know, I, I was kind of hoping that it would be contra- a, a contrary view and I would um, rethink my own thoughts around it, but it's kind of just re-emphasised the fact that I'm disappointed. You're disappointed with the final season or the, fast, or the last... Mm. Uh, or the, the last entire two. season. Yeah. The entire, well, yeah, and season seven as well is not great, I don't think. Yeah. Well, Compared. Well, in comparison, I'm, I'm, I'm compar- comparing it because the first five series are so good yeah um, i think the thing i went back me and my wife went back and we watched everything before series eight came out so over a few months and you sort of remember how great those early seasons are and i think it just you know just feel like they kind of dropped the ball a little bit that's okay. my opinion though i know yeah, something no, I, I kind of on the fence with it still i kind of think mm. well I'm, I'm happy to be done with it and i'm happy with some some of the the, the new season mm. the, the final season was was okay it was fine it served a purpose and mm. i just want to, to get into something else i mean we we, we were mm. reminiscing my wife and i the same sort of thing we we're sort of thinking the wire what you know why oh. watch the wire it's like but you do realize yeah. it took us years to watch that. <laughs> yeah, lot. and you're thinking, well, that had that had an ending, and it had a, such a, a poignant ending to it, um, mm. where the cogs of that that kind of underworld was turning and continued to turn. Whereas this this uh, Game of Thrones ending felt like it was just all rosy, and it had a different. It just didn't seem to marry the sort of the the feel of the entire series beforehand. Whereas the no. wire, you felt you felt like this was all, there was always going to be um, the underworld or the criminal, you know, the, the criminal underworld and this kind of thing going on. Yeah, the wire is a particularly brilliant show. I think it did make me start to think about other big shows and how 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 they ended. 
is yeah. that it made me think was Breaking Bad that didn't finish that well either and then I thought The Sopranos that didn't finish very well and then I wondered if there's this weight of expectation on us as viewers and the showrunners to create this perfect ending and you're never going to quite ever make that no, I, you'll never uh, please anybody and I guess you'll no, not no. everybody and I think you're I agree uh, you know you've got the worst ending which is lost You've got other things. Uh, Lost, of course, is another one, yeah. Yeah, the, the best one I've seen um, is, I don't know if you've ever watched a series called uh, The Leftovers, which was a, a Sky Atlantic thing about the people. No, I never saw that. Very much, very similar to like what happens in, oh, it's not a Marvel thing, but the, the snap where half of the half of the people disappeared. It's kind of a, a series before that even was an idea in Marvel, um, where half the like the people disappear and the rest of the, the people are, are you know left to get on with it. Um, that was an amazing series. Only ran for like four or five series, but the way they finished mm. it was, was tear jerking. And I've never seen anything like it since. And yeah, there's an expectation on everyone to get to please everybody. And with Twitter, social yeah. media, I mean, oh, it's so yeah. You basically well, you either love it, or you hate it, don't you? It's binary. Yeah. You're yeah. either, you know, you're either in this camp or you're in that camp, and uh, there's no nuance anymore. But yeah, I've. I was just thinking. I've just while you were talking about left, I was thinking of other series that had <laughs> disappointing endings. Yeah, I, I was a massive fan of Battlestar Galactica, and I thought that ended quite. It was a bit weird. Yes, yeah, that was, was very. Yeah, no, I heard about. I didn't watch that series, but yeah. I remember that that ending coming out and everyone giving. It was such a yeah. It was such a great series. They really took it to some really interesting places, and mm. yeah, that was sort of put bit poo at the end, and <laughs> I was into Fringe as well, and that was a bit poo at the end. I mean, there's yeah. So I guess, yeah, maybe there is, you know, there aren't actually that many series that have ended well. No, it's a poison maybe. chalice, isn't it? You just get a, yeah. a successful series under your belt. But yes, you've got to, yeah. you've got to write and make the final episode or season. And you, you're basically, you might as well just do whatever you, you, you physically think you can do and put it out there and then turn your Twitter Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work in a video shop. Oh, right. So cool. uh, uh, years and years ago, um, and yeah, watched lots of crap movies. <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, Anaconda was one of the worst. I think that came out on video while I was working there. So we're talking what ninety seven, maybe ninety eight. Yeah, That's Anaconda, J- J-Lo, isn't it? It's got Ice Cube in it. Yeah, I'm sure it's I think it might be J Lo. I think you might be right. I think it might be J Lo. I remember seeing it's it. So bad, so bad. <laughs> hey, what's, um, it's a giant snake. What's what's not lots? Like? Yeah. Well, it's no snakes on a plane, that's sure. John Voigt, J-Lo, Eric Stoltz. Oh, it's got, you know, it's got quite a good car. Owen Wilson's in it. Johnny Stojo. Um, I should have chosen this. <laughs> I might have found this uh, a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's only 4.7 on IMDb. I've just picked it up on there. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, that is a, not a great film. That could be a future film for us, though, in terms of what we do in the bunker, yeah? So it, yeah. I didn't realise it scored so low, but I love a monster or a big, you know, creature flick. Yeah, I like Lake Placid. I really like... See, that came out at a similar time. Yeah, there was one really like, of these things, wasn't there? Yeah, and I liked Lake Placid. I thought it was quite good. It was a quite, it had quite a lot of humour in it. It sort of didn't take itself too seriously. Had the woman from the Golden Girls in it. Uh, it was like the giant <laughs> crocodile. Yes, yeah. Uh, Brendan Gleeson was in it as well as a sort of grumpy sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, with Chris, no, who else was in it? I'm trying to think. Oliver Pratt, he was like good in it. He was this sort of, I think he was a kind of scientific 
expert on crocodiles. Um, so you knew that as soon as he arrived, he'd get eaten. He was the kind of, I think they were trying to try and go for a jaw sort of thing. So he was the kind of um, Richard Dreyfus character. Right, right, he was yeah. an expert on crocodiles. They had Brendan Gleeson was the kind of, he was, I suppose, like, a bit like the mayor. He was like this kind of grumpy uh, kind of sheriff. Yeah, so, yeah. No, maybe it was a bit more like Rob Schneider. I think Bill Pullman's in it. Um, oh, he's good. It was, yeah, he was like typical kind of sort of slightly <laughs> moody Bill Pullman. That was a good movie, but Anaconda wasn't. Oh, well, I think that's a good idea for a future episode for us. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely. Well, listen, it's been fantastic speaking to you today, Giles. Uh, today, Giles. And I was just say thank you for discussing June with us and on the bunker. And, and, and yeah, it's out there for the, wide, for the, the masses to enjoy. And thank you. Thank you for allowing it to come out of the bunker. <laughs> um, the critics aren't always right. You know, this is what we're here to prove. Um, and exactly. What, where, where can we find you online and what sort of projects and business pieces have you got coming up? Um, so yeah, you can find me on um, most social places: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my handle is at Eli is Tender Ten. So E R E L I I S T E N D E R one zero. And yeah, you can come and find me and have a chat. Um, Projects-wise, yeah, I mean we're obviously still doing podcasts. We've got quite a lot of episodes lined up um, up till probably the summer and then we'll probably have a little break yeah. and start again in the autumn um, and then yeah I've got this new book for adults called 152 days which is coming out um, sort of late autumn this year so um, you can pre-order it now actually from the publisher unbound.com um, backslash 152 days written not the uh, numbers um, yeah and you can pre-order it from them excellent well thanks again Giles Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Good chat, Chris. <laughs> Giles is really good. Fantastic guest. And I, Another again, one. Another again. one to join to the roster of great guests. How yeah. do we keep doing it? Or how do, how do you mostly keep doing it, to be fair? <laughs> um, I don't know. We just hound people on Twitter till they say, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit. But yeah, no, I really do recommend the, the podcast. It's a great intellectual listen. You gave me uh, like a top five. I gave you a top five challenge. Way, way, way back. And I thought to myself, hey, let's stop being mean to each other on this. Let's, I'm going to give Chris the easiest thing possible. <laughs> I'm going to give him the whole of history <laughs> to yeah. pick five films from. But the thing is, it's not easy. I'll tell you why. Like, when this top five thing, for anyone who's new to the podcast, on the off podcast that we do, we do one like, guest spot, and then the following one we do like a meaty, crappy film review. That's our... A kind of process yes these top fives are supposed to be fun light-hearted enjoyable we pick uh, like a top five movie based things whether it be um, movie remakes that we'd like to see uh, cartoons into movie form and we've done a load of sports movies that we've never seen made and you gave me this like behemoth of, uh, of a category and I, yes. and I was thinking okay not only have most of the major incidents in our world history been covered, apart from the Big Bang, you know, well, I suppose you could arguably say that that has been covered in some shape or form in cinema. But Mostly uh, exposition at the beginning of a film. Like, oh, in the beginning, there was nothing. Yeah, but the, 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 most of our major historical events are pretty depressing <laughs> or you know, <laughs> resulted in death, famine, the plague, you name it. I mean, it's all big stuff. 
And I'm thinking, mm, how can I put a bunker twist on this? Um, and quite frankly, I couldn't. So uh, <laughs> I have picked five quite interesting ones. Okay. And they are serious. These are serious things. Okay. So, right. so we're, we're, you know, we're going to talk about them as best we can. And, and then I'm going to come back to you with a, for your top five, something that you might actually enjoy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry then. Okay. Come at number five then. Come at number five. Okay, so this is my number, and I looked at everything. Can you define the order? Is this a particular order, or is no, this? <laughs> no, it's not. No, I don't do orders. This is a list. Right. Okay, so An unordered list. Number five is the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Now. This is a fascinating oh. story, okay? It's a bit, a bit heavy. So the Industrial Revolution changed a lot of things. But one major ramification was the growing sense of identity and nationalism. And by 1914, the new technological innovations like tanks, machine guns, and deadly gases, Europe had become a powder keg of factions just waiting to go to war. So To war! <laughs> so... On June the 28th in 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, toured Sarajevo to inspect the armed forces of Bosnia. Something Serbian nationalists weren't happy about, uh, Mafia, they weren't happy about this at all. So Ferdinand, Ferdinand and his wife were shot by Gavrilo Princip, a Serbian nationalist. The Serbian government was blamed for the attack which sparked World War One. Isn't that a fantastic paragraph? There's a lot there. I mean, that is a, a plot. There's there's various levels of film that, that could be. Yes. I'm surprised they haven't made a film of this, obviously, because you know, at school, at history, we always learn of the short-term causes and long-term causes of the of the First World War. And that this one's obviously is the, the sort of primary sort of like straw that broke the camel back kind of situation so yeah no, I, no. I don't i don't think and i may be wrong but i don't think that franz ferdinand has been represented in in uh, on celluloid so yeah i found it quite a fascinating tale and something i didn't know and i think it would yes be quite a, a long film <laughs> yeah, it'd be, yeah it'd be a lengthy one it'd be quite uh, it's got gary oldman written all over it it has <laughs> Well, anyway, I enjoyed reading the paragraph and I enjoyed reading it. I, lo I love the fact <laughs> that your research is a paragraph. <laughs> was this paragraph on Wikipedia? By any chance? Well, did it sound like it was written by me? No, no, God, no. no. So, yes. <laughs> uh, cool. You'll find okay. that everything I'm right, reading to you now has been stolen from the web, which is what it's there for. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Just these and cat videos. That's all it is. Okay. So then my next one, which is number four. This is like the, the Edward Snowden reports back in 2013. So quite a recent event. And I'm fairly oh, certain yeah. it's not been covered. So Europe-wide eavesdropping scandal it was, basically. Whistleblower Edward Snowden reports on the eavesdropping and espionage methods of the US intelligence agencies, CIA and NSA. And Chancellor Merkel's phone was also bugged for the for some time as well. So loads of kind of espionage, whistleblowing, and all sorts of uh, 
intelligence and you know CIA kind of NSA. <laughs> I'm just saying stuff that I'm reading. <laughs> They're just initials. They <laughs> mean nothing anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought it was an interesting story. Edward Snowden being a, a, a fairly big character in 2013 and, and the legacy he's left behind in terms of sort of outing and the eavesdropping of all this this scandal that happened. Yeah. Um, I hate to piss on your fire, but I think that film has been made. No, no, it hasn't. We've got J- just just Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think it's called Snowden. Yeah, no, uh, yes, it might. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that one. It's, yeah, but that's not this story. Oh, what's that about then? Um, it's about a different Edward Snowden. Right. Okay. Um, that is a different kind of whistleblowing. I think it's the whistleblowing championships from 2013. So it's... right, or is it up, up the mountain? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, okay. completely different film, mate. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. All right, just thought it sounded similar. Nah, 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 it's not. Uh, should we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> this one, I'm fairly certain, is pretty kosher. But this is number the three. Titanic. Have you heard of it? It's the NASA So I've got the fall of the Berlin Wall, November the 9th, 1989. Um, so for decades, the Berlin Wall had stood as a symbol of the Iron Curtain splitting Western and Eastern Europe. And then in, obviously, November 1989, it was demolished. Uh, yeah, came down. So on one side, communist author- authoritarian states, and on the other side, liberal dem- uh, democracies. And the wall had been built to prevent East Germans escaping into the West. And indeed, many had been shot trying to escape. So we know it's very symbolic. It's a, it's a big, it was a big thing in terms of the... Uh, but if I hear about the, the fall of the Berlin, Berlin Wall, I always just think of David Hasselhoff. Well, this is what I've got, already got this idea of Hasselhoff. Um, you know, he could play a character... Or he could play himself in this because he was a big figure. And maybe it could all just be from his perspective. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, an iconic moment in history uh, for all the yeah. right reasons. Um, big moment. As far as I know, there haven't been like a film of this kind uh, a documenting maybe the lead up to it, pick out some important people from, the, from governments on both sides and yep. a reconstruction of that kind of wall coming yeah, down. Yeah, because like I, I remember obviously the wall coming down, but I don't know who instigated that or how that came about. There must have been quite a lot of... Bits and pieces. So number... Of, what number am I at now? Must be at number three, four. That was three. Right, so number four. The... Well, we, we go the other way, didn't really. <laughs> you always ah. do this. You always lose your direction halfway <laughs> through. So we started at five, which ah. was Archduke's Ferdinand. Then uh, number four about the you know never before seen Edward Snowden <laughs> biopic. Oh, yes, yes. And then three was the Berlin Wall just. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, that means number two. Number two. Right. I've been doing we've been doing these top fives for a long time and I still don't know which direction to go in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always at the same place. Yeah. Um, three okay. really throws you. So number two is the Gutenberg Printing Press. Now, this, def- this is interesting because this is uh, one of the greatest inventions of the Renaissance was the Gutenberg Printing Press. Gutenberg took the idea of printing from Asia, but made it much easier and more efficient with his press. The first books he printed were Bibles, and they were all sold before he even finished them. The printing press fanned the flames of reading, education and knowledge and the new capability of mass printing books that would have previously been copied by hand now you cannot put into 
words, the significance. Of there cannot be a more significant historical event than that, surely. And it, this has not been documented in a film. Oh, we, apart we, from the film about called The Printing Press. <laughs> I'm joking, this oh, yeah. <laughs> Oscar <Sorry>. nominated. <laughs> so now it leaves me to uh, my number one. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to beat The Printing Press. No, so this one is titled Vacuum. In 1908-1908, James Murray Spangler invented the electric vacuum cleaner. The first model used a broomstick pillow and a box containing electric motor and a fan. He applied for a patent in 1908, and William Hoover helped finance its development for the Mass Marvin. Mass Marvin. Mass Marvin. <laughs> For the Mass Marvins. <laughs> the mass very, very very niche market they're aiming at there. So <laughs> this is for all the Marvins out there. I got a bit I got a bit bored about like these massive historical events and just thought what what invention so, so that sounds like Hoover stole the idea in eventually or Yeah, well yeah, I reckon. But I I got a tagline for this. It'd be like this movie, oh. this movie sucks. Brilliant. Yeah. Love Thank that. Back of the net. Um, so yeah, uh, a film about the, the invention of the, the Hoover or the, the vacuum cleaner, I should Because if it does have that kind of, you know, the founder kind of vibe to it, if it, if it does, you know, it result in sort of subterfuge and stealing of ideas and patents yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So I did enjoy that, the founder. That was good. You seen that? Seen yeah, that? it was the one about McDonald's. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was good. So what do you, what do you think of those that top five? It was, it's, it was different, wasn't it? Uh, curiously for you, I found the last two to be in the right order as, as the top two. I, I know the other ones are kind of huge, massive historical events, but I, I think sometimes these little sort of niche mm-hmm. like, you know, moments in time, and especially, I mean, just to be fair, they could invent some sort of human interest story around these things. They don't always have to steer slavishly to actual historical events. They never fucking do as it is. So, yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think you did well. I think you did Thank well to you. avoid a total bleak, <laughs> bleak fest. Yeah. Right, so we did the plague. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is uh, the battles of the Vedon and Somme where 12 million people died. This is so, it, yeah. This is it. There's a lot of dark stuff in history. And even recent history is all very, is all very well documented. And, all, you know, the financial crisis has been done. And so a lot, of, a lot of films based on historical events have been made. So my challenge for you, I've got a nice one for you. You'll be pleased. All right. Top five supporting character roles for to feature in their own spin-off film. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, mm. for instance, we, we're big fans, as previously in all our other podcasts, I think I've mentioned uh, Napoleon Dynamite, but <laughs> I think yes. I have never, But, for instance, um, Pedro is a sidekick, or, you know, who could have his own spin-off film. Well, there goes my fucking number one. Cheers, Chris. <laughs> but yeah, you can have that one as your number five instead. Maybe you just go a bit more detail on it. But oh, yeah. No. Just deserves a noticeable mention, I guess. Yeah. But there you go. That's a good one. good one to get your teeth into. Yes. Yes, I like that. I will now be watching films with renewed vigour, staring slightly to the left of the centre screen to see <laughs> who could possibly be in their own film. Like it. I like it. Good. Well, uh, you enjoy that one and make it nice and cheery, won't you? Nice and cheery. <laughs> so, yeah, and our next episode, which will be in a couple of weeks' time, will be, we'll do a film. We'll do this bloody film. Uh, which one are we going to do? We, uh, is it really off our list? Oh, it's Doom, isn't it? It is Doom. Doom that won the, the, uh, 
the poll that we did on Twitter. Um, so yeah, Doom is is the film that The Rock. Probably just get that watched actually or recorded because I suppose I re- reckon in a month that might disappear. It's on Sky. So anyone who wants to join in in that, you can listen, uh, watch along, and send us your thoughts on on it wherever you can. I've got some comments on that already, which is great. Uh, yeah, tweet us, Instagram, Facebook page, it's all there. Um, write it's us all a, there. Write us a review. That'd be really cool. Um, give us a rating. Cheers, Matt, and uh, bunker out. Did we agree that was our... No, it didn't. didn't. <laughs> bunker I think we... Yeah, there was uh, several suggestions, none of which sounded particularly... Um, good. Good. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Bunker over and out. <laughs> Bye. Not going to work ever. 